Welcome to the On The Rise podcast with your host, Tanner Lewis of Rise Music Group. We talk to top professionals in the music business today as well as the rising stars of tomorrow. Let's hop into this episode of On The Rise. Welcome to On The Rise. I'm your host, Tanner Lewis with Rise Music Group. Today, we sit down with Roxy King from Universal Music Publishing. Let's hop into the episode. Good morning, Miss Roxy. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? Good morning, afternoon. It's the music industry on a Friday. It's it's technically afternoon. <laughs> and we actually have we actually have off today for Juneteenth. So I like don't even know like what what day what time of day it is right now. I'm just rolling. It's great. <laughs> Very cool. Well, this this worked out well. Then catch you on your day off. Sure did. Sure did. I know. Uh, has to be a whirlwind for you at the moment with uh, with everything kind of coming back finally and then also you've had some career moves lately and, and been, been yeah. making lots of moves in the industry it is exactly that it is a whirlwind i think it's a whirlwind you know it's a whirlwind when you start a new job uh that in itself is enough and then it's also a whirlwind for everybody coming back from being locked down for the last year um so having both happen quite literally at exactly the same time it's like of quite a big shock to my system um especially as someone who like i am a little more of a, like a homebody i'm an extroverted introvert you know but like i love i like to be alone so i i push you know i'm pushing myself these days but it has also been you know this last month has just been like the most rewarding also most freeing you know with things being open again and so enjoyable and, and such a relief too so um you know, it's a shock to the system, but it's also like a beautiful, necessary shock to the system. Yeah, most definitely. And and I mean, you know, I, I know, you know, you being mostly on the publishing side of things, y'all probably, I would expect, had a little bit more to work on throughout this um, this pandemic and stuff than people more on the live music side of things. But you've had to really make so many adjustments to the way business is done i would imagine uh and, and especially i can would love to hear your thoughts on like like the a and r side of thing like that is such a social aspect of the publishing industry um how were you able to kind of navigate that with everything that was going on yeah um it was definitely tricky i mean you're right in that like things didn't really slow down for us you know at the beginning there was a little bit of a dip with writers who, you know, didn't want to write via Zoom and we're like, oh, let's just push our rights like a month down the road or like two months. Let's push them again two months down the road. Then when we were getting to like August, it was like, OK, like <laughs> no more pushing because you're just going to not write for the next year. Right. Um, so that was a bit of an adjustment. I mean, with the A&Rs, you know, pretty quickly after we went into lockdown, um, most of the label A&Rs started doing pitch meetings via zoom and we figured out how to do that and how to adjust which in a lot of ways um you know obviously your interpersonal relationships can struggle but as far as the actual efficiency of what we were doing um you know we get on you play songs you talk for 10 minutes you get off you can you can do like five pitch meetings a day um versus when you're in person and you're driving and you're parking and you're in the waiting room and then you're talking and you know and that that can take two or three hours out of your day for one meeting so there was some more efficiency there um 
I think, you know, from a publisher's point of view, we were honestly extra busy when it came to once writers got up and rolling, um, when it came to sessions and scheduling, um, two reasons, the first being that artists weren't touring. (laughs) So a lot of them were like, we want to be writing all the time. And as publishers were like, great, we want you to be here writing, you know? So that was, that was great that writers were more accessible. They had more time, um, made us more busy. And then I think the other piece, uh, that was a big factor of us staying busy was all of a sudden we can set up sessions with people in LA and London and all over the world. So there was sort of this massive influx of like learning new writers and, Oh, there's a London writer that wants to work with our Nashville writer and who else can they work with and what else can we be doing there? And, And so that just opened up a whole new realm of possibilities in terms of our job and kind of expanded my brain and challenged me in a lot of new and different ways. So um, it was different, but we were, I mean, I was just as busy. There was no- Yeah, that's that's a great point. I I mean, we we were more more on probably. Definitely, yeah, I hadn't thought about the uh, the geographical um, benefits to it, I guess, and and just getting people accustomed to writing that way. Um, How do you think that that will stick around in the future? I think it will stick around. Um, I hope it sticks around. You know, there's always going to be people that don't want to write via Zoom and are just like over it. Um, But especially for those in Nashville that, you know, have wanted to integrate into other markets or into other genres, Mm -hmm. um, they now have the opportunity to do that very easily. And, and if nothing else, you know, build those relationships so that when they do go to London or they do go to LA, they already have these circles, these networks of people. And so for writers that, that are in Nashville that have that desire, I mean, it's like a total game changer if, if they're willing to, you know, get on Zoom when they don't want to and take advantage of it. Um, I think it goes both ways. Like the whole world is sort of looking at Nashville right now. You know, it's up and coming and it's cool and it's different. And there's so much music happening that's not just country. And so there's a lot of writers in London and in L.A. and in Australia and, and all over that are wanting so badly to write with Nashville people. Um, so there's a big demand there. And I think it would be silly of us to just say, OK, well, COVID's over. Let's go back to you know, just writing within the Davidson County lines. Um, there's so much more opportunity out there for those who want to take advantage of it. So I think it will stick around. Yeah, most definitely. And and I love that about what y'all did at um, both Concord and Universal Music, you know, just really blurring those genre lines a little bit. And I was talking to uh, my past previous guest on, on the rise, David Macias, about this. And just what they're doing over at uh, 30 Tigers as well, just like going from a very country-based um, market in, in Nashville being known as the country city mm-hmm. to just being a music city. And just um, you're seeing that more and more every day of just people coming there that just love music, not necessarily country music, and we all do love country music, but um, but just general fans of music and, and really receptive to doing things outside of the genre right 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm super grateful for that at both companies, you know, to have people that are so talented in so many different areas. Um, I've always been a fan of so many different genres. Uh, I always say that like, I'm just a fan of songwriting. So I, if it's a country, if it's a well-written country song or a well-written pop song or a well-written hip hop song, like I don't really care. Um, as long as the song is, is there, you know? Yeah. And so I do want to get into a little bit of your personal background and kind of like educate our audience on where you came from, but also me and you were finally getting to meet for the first time. Um, I think, was it Zach Hawcroft that introduced us? Is that something? Right? Zach or Harrison? Could, could have been both. I don't remember. Of them. Both wonderful mm-hmm. humans. Hey, if I, get, uh, if I get recommended by two people to invite the same person on the podcast, <laughs> they always get an invite. <laughs> oh, love that. Love that. And uh, those two are both great dudes, uh, both great past guests. So for our audience, if you haven't checked out Harrison Orzak's uh, podcast in the past, definitely do that. Um, but yeah, I, w- I would love to know just a little bit more about you. I know you're in Nashville now, um, but kind of what's the path that brought you there? Yeah, um, it's a pretty long path, um, especially for someone. My, I'm, I'm fairly young, but I feel like I've wanted to be a publisher for the last 10 years, which is kind of weird. Um, I to take it, you know, way back, I started getting into, you know, female songwriters at a pretty young age. Um, my dad has great music taste and showed me people like Alanis Morissette and Jewel. So I got, I got really into those worlds and um, Tracy Chapman. And, and then along, you know, along at that, at that same time, uh, you know, Sarah Bareilles was really popular, Nora Jones, and then, you know, a little later Taylor Swift. And so I got, just sort of an influx of like really awesome female songwriters. Um, and so as a very impressionable, you know, 11 year old, 12 year old, I don't know. Um, I started writing songs too, um, and really loved it. And there was a, a songwriters expo called the Durango songwriters expo. That was about 15 minutes from my house in Colorado. So, um, I think my guitar teacher at the time told me about it and I like begged my mom to go and both my parents are principals. So they have like, no, like they know nothing about the music industry. Um, but my mom was very supportive and, uh, she, she let me drag her there and sat with me. And, um, I ended up going back that actually happened twice a year and I ended up going back for, you know, maybe three years. I, I went five or six times. Um, and in, that experience, you know, at a very young age, I was learning what a music publisher is and what a music supervisor is and what a copyright is and um, royalties and, and, and everything that comes along with sort of the industry of songwriting and how it's monetized. Um, and I was also sitting in, you know, three hour long listening sessions, listening to publishers critique everybody else's songs and having my own song critiqued in front of a room full of adults as like a 12 year old. Um, so it was an interesting experience and I got to a point where I would like, uh, I would write down, you know, things on my notepad as songs are playing my own critiques 
and like see if I could guess what the publisher was going to say, you know, and um, you have to get through those three hour listening sessions somehow. <laughs> so that kept my mind busy. Um, so I was just kind of naturally doing that pretty young. And then I, I got to a point where I was um, I was at this expo and I was looking at like all of the songwriters. I was probably 15 at this point looking at all of the songwriters in the audience um, who, you know, we're just crossing our fingers, like hoping and praying to get picked. And then I looked at all the publishers on the stage and I was like, they get a pick. <laughs> <laughs> Those people get to pick and we're waiting to be picked. Right. And I was like, I'm a control freak by nature. Like I like my certainty. I'm very type A, I'm a Capricorn, I'm a three. I'm like, I, I need to know what's happening and I need to like be a little, as much in control of my destiny as I can convince myself I am. So I, um, I was like, I want that gig. Like I love songwriters. I love songwriting. I want to be at the root inception of a song. I want to be right there with it. I want to bring it to the world, but I don't want the lifestyle that a songwriter lives, which is why I think I love publishing so much now because I appreciate what songwriters do so much because they're all so inspirational and brave and maybe just touch crazy, but that's what they need to like go out there and do it. And so yeah. I just have so much admiration for what it takes. Um, but that was kind of my like epiphany moment. Um, and then from there, I really just focused in on it. I did like my senior project on music publishing. I was trying to get internships before I was legally able to, you know, I was, um, I went to NYU, um, for music business. Um, I interned in a ton of different areas throughout the business, trying to see, you know, what else was out there. And I just kind of crossed everything off the list. I was like, yep, nope, nope. Still want to be a publisher. That was great, but yeah. no. And, uh, yeah, I graduated from NYU and I worked at, uh, downtown music publishing up in New York city, um, which was an awesome experience, awesome team, awesome company, but I was much more on the operations um, administrative side and that was not my jam uh and so i i needed to make a shift and i was ready to get out of new york i was super broke <laughs> super cold and i i just i kind of run it run my course there and um so i took a weekend trip down to nashville and i came on a friday and i went to two writer rounds and by Sunday, I was like meeting with realtors, you know, I was like, this is literally everything that I've been looking for in New York and L.A. is here. Yeah. And this is like this city was made for me or I was made for this city. Um, and so I quit my job and I, I drove down here and um, I thought I would be here maybe three years and then go somewhere else. And uh three years in and uh i'm never leaving so <laughs> that feels good to have that figured out i really do feel like this place was like i just can't even really imagine living anywhere else at, at this point it feels pretty perfect for me so yeah it's it is tough to leave um f as, as somebody who's lived there several times and then gone back to texas for family reasons and then 
now kind of split time in between um, Austin and Nashville, it's always tough to leave. Uh, I mean, even though I know I'm coming back next month, it's still doesn't tough Austin, to hop on that plane. <laughs> Austin people like not like Nashville, right? Isn't there some like tension there? I don't think so. Um, I mean, they're, they're, very, they're very similar cities, um, I, you know, great, friendly people, very active cities. Um, it's, it's a very similar scene when you go downtown, lots of music, lots of people jogging, um, very up and coming trendy cities. Uh, I would say the Nashville music business is much more structured and the Austin music business is much more live. Um, as far as like that's kind of where where a lot of it lays um i'd say austin is trying to get where where nashville is right now as far as the structure of it goes you know we've, we've made some huge improvements to the austin music scene with bringing in companies like TuneCore and bmi and um, the addition of the texas music office and different things that are really working on making a push for that um <clears throat> but i mean nashville has got an incredible infrastructure that has been built for years and years and years and is getting better and more diverse every day. So it's tough to beat. Catch us if you can. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Nashville is right behind Austin on the growth curve. There are uh, people moving We're behind. To, to Nashville. Yeah. So Austin is a little bit ahead of uh, Nashville as far as just general tourism and um wow. people moving here relocating and stuff well, like that's that good. So, we're, we're getting too crowded so you can have them y'all are gonna get it <laughs> um but anyway i mean back to back to the songs and stuff i mean it, it is that way and and especially for somebody in your shoes that is just a genuine lover of songs at the core. Um, I mean, there there is definitely that passion for me as well. But but I love um, you know being on the management side of things, where where you're touching the live music and you're touching the recording process and, and a lot of different things. Um, maybe I'm uh, a little bit more scattered than <laughs> than you are focused on that. But uh, I mean, it's undeniable when you walk into a why not Wednesday or something like that and and you or the listening room and and listen to these tunes of all of these incredible songwriters that most of the world has never heard of mm-hmm. but just the immense talent in that room on a Tuesday night is is incredible you know yeah. you, 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 I I haven't been able to find that anywhere else in the world as far as every night of the week there is something incredible going on in Nashville yep yep it can be daunting <laughs> it can be hard to manage you, you definitely but, you definitely get that fomo because i mean you got to stay home occasionally but there's there's something good you're missing yeah there always is there always is and that's just yeah i mean that's a constant battle for any young person but i think especially in our industry that can be you know a really tough battle i think something that helps me is um i'm I'm pretty, pretty high strung. Can't, uh, but I, um, you know, I like to be productive most of the day. Um, not very good at just like chilling. Uh, and so it's good for me that all of my friends are also in music because I can go socialize and have a good time and it's benefiting 
my social life and that, you know, side that I need to be human. But it's also like, we're kind of working. We're not in meaning to work, but we just do because that's what we talk about and that's what we love and that's what we... So I'm like, wow, I'm killing two birds with one stone. This is so great. <laughs> I don't have like work and then friends all like separated. Right. I really like, it's kind of all one big blob. And honestly, that works very well for me. Um, I'm sure that in 30 years, it'll, you know, it, it won't, it, it will get annoying at, at a certain point, but at this age in my life and where I'm at, you know, I love how intermingled they are. It's fun. I don't want to disappoint you, but I've got a business partner that has been in this industry for 40 plus years and we still go out to dinner and he still says every time he says, I'm sorry for talking about work the whole time. I'm like, just stop saying that. Cause like every time we're together, <laughs> all we're going to talk about is music. There is no right. other topics to talk about and we love it. I mean, when, right. when you love the music industry, the way that you do, I'm sure. And definitely the way that, that I do, it's not work. I mean, it's, it's what you want to talk about, even though it is where you technically work. <laughs> exactly. It's not like I'm going to dinner and talking about like, I don't know what, is something totally unrelated to everything else in my life. Like music right. is my life. I'm just talking about my life. <laughs> Want to take a quick break here to thank our sponsors, Hilo Digital. Great digital marketing company based out of Nashville, Tennessee. They're doing some awesome work. If y'all are interested in checking them out, check out HiloDigital.com. That's H-I-L-L-O digital.com. Or shoot them an email, info at kilodigital.com. Let's hop back into the episode. Yeah. Completely identify there. So you come to Nashville, get settled very quickly, and, and really start making connections pretty quickly because it wasn't very long till you stepped into your role with Concord. Is that right? Yeah, I actually got incredibly lucky. Um, I got my job at Concord like three weeks before I was set to drive down. So I actually drove down with a job in my back pocket, which um, I was not expecting to do. And I had actually like, you know, said, I'm not taking another job in music until it's in creative and out of music publishing company, because I didn't want to end up in, you know, marketing or royalties or, you know, digital or whatever it may be. All those things are great, but I knew that I didn't want to do them. And, and I didn't want to get too far down the road and have to like, you know, side hop. Um, so I was just like, you know, I'll go be a nanny. I'll go be a waitress. Like I'll go make money. I'd probably make more money hell than an entry level music industry position anyways. So I'm going to go do that. And then I'll just network and then, you know, I'll, I'll get integrated in the city and I'll get a job. Um, and this Concord one just kind of fell out of the sky for me. And so that was a big relief to drive down and have that. So I, I think I started, I drove down July 18th and I started at Concord August one. So, um, it couldn't have been more seamless. That's awesome. And did you immediately go into A&R with Concord? 
Yeah, I well, I started as the creative coordinator, so I was on the like creative A and R team, um, but I wasn't just like pitching songs out of the get go. You know, I I, I um, you got to take some time to develop, which I'm very impatient. So you know, my poor wonderful um, past boss, you know, is always like, okay, like. <laughs> You will get you there, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but what about this? What about this? Um, I want to do this. Um, but no, it was a good, like, kept me level headed. I had a lot to learn. I still have a lot to learn. But um, yeah, I got in there and was working right on the creative team. So that was exactly where I wanted to be. I was, you know, listening to songs, I was giving recommendations for songs, I was you know, getting to know the writers. I was, um, helping with, you know, scheduling their sessions. Um, I was handling all of the song delivery, which, um, grew to be, you know, sort of a pain, but honestly was such a good, um, access point for me because I was the first person to hear every single song, um, which was incredibly beneficial for me to learn the writers, for me to understand myself. Um, so that was huge. And then as I progressed, you know, I started, you know, pushing and pushing and, um, doing more and doing more and, uh, sometimes asking for forgiveness instead of permission and, um, you know, began pitching songs and began booking sessions and, you know, acting more independently. Um, and then from there I got, uh, bumped up to the manager um, so that's really when I was like, you know, fully able to like, quote unquote, A&R. You yeah. Know, and and so for, we've had a few, um, a few creative directors and stuff on the podcast in the past, but kind of define in as clear terms as possible. I know the lines get blurred, but, <laughs> uh, as clear terms as possible, the difference between like a creative director and a director of A&R as it relates to within a publishing company. Uh, I don't think, I mean, other people might answer differently. A creative director or an A&R director are the same thing in my mind. Um, I think it just depends on the company. When we were, when I was at Concord, actually, we, you know, I was the creative coordinator and then corporate did a switch and made a, made me like A&R coordinator, A&R manager. Um, it just kind of depends company to company. Right. Um, and it seems like a lot of it has to do with the size of the company as well. And that, Sometimes yeah. you're wearing more hats in a small company where, where you're one of the higher ups and, and you've got to do all these things versus, you know, a, a larger company that may have more resources to clearly define different roles. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, it, it definitely gets a little bit gray, like label A&R, A&R comes from labels. So it doesn't really make sense to call publishers A&R. Um, yeah. That's what the labels are. Um, you know, I think publishers really like we sh like creative directors, creative coordinators, we're managing the creatives, but I think those terms just get interchanged so often that, uh, people just kind of throw one in, throw the other in and, and they don't, I mean, in my mind, they say that they mean the same thing. So yeah, every company is different, but, um, from my experience at my companies, they're interchangeable. Very cool. If you love it, you're getting, uh, getting all aspects of it. And I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so 
tell a little bit about you said earlier that you're a um, you're an extroverted introvert. Um, being in A and R and having to manage all of these relationships, both with like writers as well as like your labels that you're you're pitching tunes to and stuff like that. How do you navigate kind of building your network? Um, well, first and foremost, most importantly, my weekends are precious. <laughs> I am very antisocial on the weekends, and that is what helps me build my network during the week. Okay. Um, so they go hand in hand. You know, I, I don't have the kind of job where I can like be blown in out on the weekends and having a blast and then just go to work week and be like kind of like in my own shell just getting spreadsheets done that's not it (laughs) i have to like really rest and rejuvenate on the weekends because come monday it's like okay game face and like i gotta be out i gotta have a coffee a lunch and two drinks meetings and then go to a show so like i have to be on and i have to be you know present and have to have energy and i have to connect with people every time um So that can be, um, it can be exhausting on some days and it also can be really beautiful some days. Uh, you know, you learn a lot about yourself and about the world when you talk to other people. And so I'm very curious, you know, I like learning about people and about their backgrounds and apparently you do too, because you're doing this podcast. Um, but in terms of managing the relationships, you know, I have a, a notebook a reminder um, that I have, you know, industry, I have a list. And whenever I think of someone that I'm like, oh, that's someone I need to get coffee with. I write them down and I put like the company and then I have like a column for like status. So I'll, once I reach out to someone, I'll say reached out and then scheduled. And then like, once I have the meeting, I'll cross it off. And this list is literally just continuing forever. I mean, like when I run out of space, I print a new page full of columns and I keep going. So um, I'm, I try to be intentional about it. Um, I find that if I don't reach out to people and put things on my calendar, my calendar fills itself, um, with things that are wonderful with wonderful people, but maybe that aren't as intentional and pointed in like, what's, you know, what's the purpose or what, you know, what's the goal or what, what do we need to do? And, um, so I think it's good to have a little bit of both, right? You want, you want energy from both, but I do have to sit down and think about who are the people I want to reach out to, because if I don't do that, then, um, then I don't, I don't get things on my calendar that are helping me move forward sure. like I'd like to. So I have to balance that. Um, you know, I really also just try the people in the industry that I, that are more experienced that I just admire and look up to the most are the people who are probably the busiest people in the room. But when you talk to them, they're very present um, and they're very calm and you don't say, how are you? And they say, Oh God, I'm just, I'm so busy. Like I'm just exhausted. You know, like the busiest person in the room will never answer with that answer. Um, And I find myself often, you know, just being like, oh, I'm so busy. And I'll really try to catch myself because, um, yeah, the people that I admire most are together and present 
and interested and not looking over your shoulder and not checking their phone, you know? So I think that in terms of building relationships, that's something I'm really trying to work on and focus on. Um, when I'm talking to someone, I'm there, you know, and I'm invested. Um, I think that goes a really long way. And I think that it's kind of hard to find in our industry sometimes. I love that. And, and I'll definitely second that in, in that a lot of the people that, you know, I reach out to, whether it just be for, for general purposes or for the podcast or something that are the most daunting people to approach end up being the most friendly and receptive that you could imagine. Absolutely. Uh, and if you think about it, it makes sense. I mean, they didn't get into that position of power by making other people feel like they weren't worth their time. They got there because they made everybody feel like they were worth their time. Right. Right. Yep. Absolutely. That's a good way to say it. Love it. So um, then you eventually make the move from from Concord over to Universal here recently. So very, uh, very much deserved. Congratulations on that move. Tell me a little bit about the new role and kind of how that um, maybe some some changes that have come because of that to your day to day life or your your individual responsibilities within the company. Um, kind of what, what shifts are you seeing? Oh my gosh, so many shifts. It is very strange. I knew it was going to be strange to like start a new job remote, um, but I don't think I realized how strange it would be, um, especially a job like this, which is like quite literally a dream job for me. Um, and to start that out of my living room in my pajamas was very weird. You know, it's like, wow, I've dreamed of this day for 10 years and here I am <laughs> sitting on my couch. Um, so that was like a little strange and a little anticlimactic. Um, but you know, the, the whole thing, you know, we'll say is the best is yet to come. And honestly, I saw that immediately. Like once, you know, you get through the first week of like it and HR transitions and stuff and things start rolling in and, um, you know, my team is just phenomenal. Um, and, it, and there's four other creatives plus Troy Tomlinson, who's the CEO and, um, getting the privilege to learn from all of them. Um, who are all quite a bit older and more experienced than me has been the most eye opening, um, incredible experience of my life in the last four weeks, uh, because they all are so good at what they do. They're all just like a-list publishers, um, but they're all very different and they all do things differently and they all listen differently. And uh, I think that's been probably one of the best parts. You know, I think coming from one company, you kind of know one way of doing things. And now being at, at Universal, I'm learning, you know, four or five new ways of doing things. Um, so I've, I really love that. Um, you know, my, my, calendar right now is sort of what I described earlier, quite literally just filled with meetings. So, um, I am just, you know, running, doing, doing the thing, doing the networking, getting the opportunities rolling. Um, I'm, you know, definitely going to be working on building roster and finding new writers that I love. So that's, um, a big part of my, um, time investment right now. And then I'm also, you know, getting to know all of 
the wonderful Universal Writers, which is such a dream come true because the roster is just stacked. I mean, there's like, there's, there's no weak link. Like they're all incredible. And so every, you know, coffee or lunch or drinks that I'm doing with a writer, like, is like such a privilege, you know, I'm like, oh my God, like, you don't know this, but like you wrote like songs that changed my life and like, I'm not going to freak out, but you know, it's like, they're all, they're all that way. I mean, they're all so incredible. And so to get to meet with them has been really special. And, And I think that, you know, this last year, the music industry has been tough because it's an industry that we all go into you know, not to get the biggest, the biggest paycheck right out of the gate, you know, not to have all of these nice, you know, benefits and things, but, but we do it for the passion and for those, like what I call pinch me moments where you're like, this is, this is why I do this. You know, like, I love this. And this last year we haven't had those. So it's sort of all of the, you know, the grind, the mundane, the calendar, the, you know, it's, it's a lot of the administrative side of the job without any of those like perks and benefits and butterflies and like reasons that we went into music in the first place. So now it's been just a total 180 in that I'm getting to go to these lunches and dinners and things that, that are all pinch me moments, you know, and I'm like, well, this is an overload of of pinch me moments. I, I finished the week and I'm like, I can't believe that, you know, I got to talk with that person and I got to meet with that person. And I went to that rehearsal. I mean, it's just like, it feels so good, especially it would feel good regardless. And it feels especially good after the year that we had. Um, so it's been a blast. Most definitely. That's awesome. And many, many more to come. Um, so we've talked a lot about, kind of the business side of what, what you do and, um, and what people do within the label system and the publishing system. I want to spend just a minute to focus on the writers and the artists that are listening in. Um, even though you're pretty fresh in the, the industry and pretty young, I'm sure you've heard lots of, lots of songs by now and dealt with lots, lots of writers. <laughs> So um, what are some of the strategies or habits that you've seen turn good writers into great writers? That's a good question. Um, Hustling. (laughs) Networking. Um, You know, I can sit up here and talk all day about my breakfast, lunch, dinner, double drink, show, whatever, you know writers should be doing that too, you know? And like, yeah, they have to be writing. That's always a part of the job. And there's a lot of other parts of my job too, you know, but like you should be hustling just as hard as you hope your, your future publisher is hustling. Yeah. Um, and that's really like the best, most fun writers to work with are the ones that have that drive. They have those connections, they have friendships and they're like, they want it. They're hungry. So they're rolling, they're writing things. They're texting to you. You're talking about ideas. It's like, okay, you send it to this, I'm going to send it to this person. You're going to text your friend and I'll text my friend. He's the manager. And we'll make sure that like we hit this from all angles, you know? And then it's like a team and, and, and you snowball off of each other. You, 
you get one thing and then I can maybe do two steps and then you, you know, side hustle over here. And that's how things happen. That's how things work really well. Um, what is tougher is dealing with, with writers. I think that feel like their job is totally over as soon as the session ends. And that's just not the case. Um, that would be like me saying my job is done as soon as it's 6 PM, you know, like everybody knows that's not the case. And so, uh, you know, no, no publisher ever wants to feel like they're like picking up their writer and like dragging them over the finish line. You know, it's their career and nobody's going to want it more than they want it. So if they don't want it that bad, you know, they can't expect everybody else around them to want it more. Um, so I think that's really the biggest thing because, you know, there's a lot of talented songwriters. There's a lot of people that can write songs. There's a lot of people who are great at it. Um, and that will sometimes get you to the finish line, but (laughs) you have a exponentially higher chance of getting to that finish line. If you have the hustle to go along with it. And if you're in your city, if you're in Nashville or in Austin and you're grinding away, making those connections, because, you know, just, yeah, the, the cold emailing or the, you know, it just doesn't, um, it can work, but you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot if you're not taking advantage of all of the other avenues, because as you touched on, we are a lot of music um, and there's just only so many hours in the day. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I think it is, I mean, it's, it's like building any brand, whether you're, you're one of us sitting on the music business side, or if you're, you're an artist or you're a writer, I mean, you're, you're building your reputation. You're also building your network and you're building your team. And, you know, like, like you said, it's not just your job to build the artist team. It's not just my job to build the artist team. Um, I mean, it does take all those key players and, and all those key players, I feel like, have to be involved for the right reasons. Not not because not because somebody convinced them to be, but because they want to be on the team and they believe in where you're going with it. Absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. So um, I know we've we've got to work on wrapping up here. Uh, do appreciate your time. I've got one question I used to ask all of my um, my guests, and I haven't asked it in a bit, and I'm not not sure why I stopped asking, but. Um, one of my theories <laughs> is that anybody who makes it far in this business has some sort of unique superpower, if you will. Um, something that makes you you, makes people relate to you, or, or something about the way you work that has gotten you to the point that you are. Whether that's a, a habit you do, whether that's you know just, just your personality or your drive. But I feel like every one of us that's doing good work in this music business has something. What would you say yours is? Oh my goodness. Um, I, well, I think I answer emails pretty quickly, (laughs) (laughs) but I would say, um, I'd say that I think I, I really value, I kind of touched on it earlier, but I really value like just the human connection. Um, and, uh, I think that I am able to really understand and connect with and appreciate people 
that are all very different from me and all very different from each other. Um, and I think I've sort of, I've actually thought about that, like in terms, not completely unrelated to music, but like when I'm like, Oh, my wedding, like if I have a bachelorette party, I'm going to have like these friends from here and these friends from here and these friends from here and this girl from work. And this, and I'm like, Oh my God, they're going to hate each other. <laughs> you know, like, they're not going to get along. because They're all so different, but I, um, I like, I don't know. I, I find that fascinating. Like I really like people that are new and challenge me and, and maybe that I disagree with, but that I really value and appreciate. And so I think that's a massive part of it because I wasn't born and raised in the South. Like I'm not like a good old country girl, you know, but I, um, I also wasn't, you know, born and raised in, in New York, in the Northeast. So I'm, I, I don't really feel like I fit anywhere, but I feel like I can understand and appreciate every, every one, um, no matter where they're from or what they believe or what they like or what kind of music they do or who they're married, you know, what, what language they speak. I mean, I'm just fascinated by it all. So I think the ability to connect with people even when we're different is really, really important. Um, especially in this industry, you know, it's all about making people feel comfortable and making people feel heard and making people feel valued. Um, and, and that's what I want to do for songwriters. Um, I think they have such a unique ability to take the human experience and like everything that we're all feeling and understand, but maybe aren't in touch with ourselves and conscious enough to realize and to um, understand or to speak out loud. And songwriters can tap into all of those like subconscious thoughts and biases. And so that is something that is such a gift. And if I can connect with them enough to get them to believe in me, that I will do everything in my power to get that shit out to the world because I want it to be heard, then that's like, that's where the money is. So I think that was a very long answer, but I think just the ability to connect with people um, on all different levels is crucially important. That's a great answer. I love it. And, uh, and I appreciate your time. Is there anything that we missed that you wanted to chat about? Oh my goodness. Um, oh, I don't think so. I mean, I guess my, my last words of wisdom, uh, and I say this to, to every college student that I speak with, um, is stop. I say this to songwriters too. Don't wait for permission. Um, you know, if you want to be an A&R, you don't need the title or the check or the company or whatever to tell you you're an A&R just go do it. Uh, and if you want to be a songwriter, like you don't need a bunch of people believing in you to go be like, just go be a songwriter. I think that's something I wish I realized earlier. I thought I needed the diploma and I needed the experience and I needed the status and I needed the, before I could go do A and R. And now I'm like, wow, I, this is, as soon as you start doing it, you're, you're in. Uh, so take the first, step you know you don't have to be that qualified to be successful in the music industry yeah <laughs> awesome i love it 
Thank you for spending some time with us. Um, where can our audience follow you or Universal or, or whoever you yeah. want to give a shout out to? Um, let me check the account, man. <laughs> I'm not, I don't post anything like all that interesting. Um, <laughs> but if you want to follow me um, on Instagram, it's RoxyKing underscore. Um, and then the UMPG Nashville one is just at UMPG Nashville. Um, and there's a little blue check mark by it. And that just has everything our writers are doing, um, you know, new cuts and shows and everything. So that is definitely the more informative Instagram account to follow. Um, yeah, they do a great job. So Awesome. Well, thank you for spending some time on your day off. And uh, we will uh, definitely have to catch up next time we're in Nashville and, and check out some music together. Absolutely. I'm always here for it. So you just let me know. Thank you for having me. Thanks for reaching out. This has been awesome. Thank you. We'll see you next time on The Rise. I want to take a quick minute here to thank you all for listening to On The Rise. Y'all make sure to uh, leave us a review if you're enjoying On The Rise. Shoot it over to, uh, to your other industry friends who are looking to get more info on the music industry. And, uh, and definitely, if you would, leave us a review in your favorite platform. Give us those five stars. Uh, drop us a comment. Let us know what you're thinking. Shoot us a message on Instagram. You can find us at, at RiseMusicGRP. So uh, we will catch you all next time. Too cool for a mountain.